Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And that is launched out to deep left field. Big fly for Mike Trump. This is ground ball to second base. Red Heeple falls down, picks it up, fires the first. The Angels have no hit. The Seattle Mariners. It's gone. Big fly for Anthony Rendon. Hey guys, I'm Alex Curry. This is Joe Adele here with the Los Angeles Angels. Brendan Marsh. This is Chris Rodriguez. You're listening to the All Angels Podcast. And welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am Dallin Garcia, and in this episode, we're going to talk about the Houston Astros series, the one-game pit stop in New York, and then obviously we're going to jump on Instagram and take your questions, some that you sent already, and then I'm sure we'll get some as we go along. But first off, I want to kind of apologize. This is out a day later than normal. I try to get this out uh, Sunday night, Monday morning. I'm now recording this Sunday night after the Angels face New York and like I mentioned in that one like pit stop series so I wanted to get that game in in this podcast so kind of waited a day so we have a little bit more to talk about um and and more to see I guess because like I mentioned uh the Yankee series was a one game makeup from earlier in the year uh from the rain out and and at that time it was it kind of sucked because you felt all the momentum in the Angels direction after the huge grand slam by Walsh and then the and then the extra innings uh win uh but obviously that momentum didn't carry over to the this New York game but we'll get to that in a little bit so first off we're going to talk about Friday's game against the Houston Astros Astros back in town obviously anytime they're in town this season it's been a little bit hostile and been a little bit uh crazy if you will but this time i felt like it was a little bit more tame than the first time they came through angel stadium and honestly as a fan i kind of think after this season that uh tampering not tampering but the uh you know sign stealing scandal and all that stuff goes down in history and it will always be part of history but it's kind of like one of those things like okay let's get over it let's move on let's now at this point of the Astros, the only people there that are going to that are were part of it, uh, Correa, Altuve, Bregman. Bregman didn't play. I think he's on the IL. Those are the only guys left. Not even the managers there from that time. So as fans, I'm like, okay, you got it out. You got your emotions out, which makes sense since no one was there on the 2020 season. But you just hope now that going forward, it kind of it kind of cools down a little bit because, like I mentioned three guys on the roster that were actually there at the time not to mention one of those guys on the roster is now an angel and with this free agent class and Correa might be coming over who knows um that could be a serious thing as well so um we'll see how it plays out but obviously angel fans got their expressions out a little bit their 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 pent-up emotions out the last time the Astros were in town so this time on Friday the Angels take on the Astros. They had Patrick Sandoval on the mound versus uh, Zach Granke, who, even for his age, even for the innings on this guy's arm, he is still 
really, really good. Um, he doesn't you know, obviously blow you away with fastballs or anything like that, but he had a great game here um, going seven innings, only giving up two hits, seven strikeouts. Uh, Angels had a really hard time offensively, and honestly, that's kind of been the M.O. for this team for a little while now. It's just offensively struggling, offensively struggling, putting back-to-back hits together. Um, it truly does feel like it's kind of home run or bust. Otani home run or bust. You know, uh, Walsh kind of slumping right now, home run or bust. Um, it just seems to get this team really hard to get consistent at-bats, back-to-back-to-back. And when they do it, they do it in like one game spurts, and then all of a sudden that momentum doesn't really carry over to the next day. Sandoval had a had a rough outing, one of his tougher outings in the past, you know, handful of starts because he's been looking really really good. But he went four and two thirds, gave up five five runs, uh, f- no sorry, five hits, four runs, two walks, and three strikeouts. And honestly, it was just one pitch, one mistake, and that was the grand slam. Um, by Tucker, and honestly, that's all they were able to do. You would like to see Sandoval go a little bit more into the game, but his pitch count um, was at 83. But you know, obviously, it didn't really much matter because after Sandoval, Myers, Quintana, and Cicha came down and kind of closed the door on those guys. But again, like I mentioned, offensively, only getting two hits off of Granky and then two hits off of Graveman, and then that's it. So four hits total for the game. Um, really hurt the Angels. Only hits coming from Otani, Stassi, uh, Marsh, and Mayfield. Marsh is kind of hitting up a little bit. He's actually been doing fairly well in the last five or so games. So something to watch out for. They talked about it a little bit during games. His adjust- adjustment at the plate, uh, changing his swing a little bit, which is great. That's why you put him out there because it's hard to teach a guy how to for him to be better or make tweaks to his swing if he's not out there taking swings and you're able to have that kind of stuff on film and see it in person and work on it in person so that's an awesome thing that they saw that's an awesome thing that they're doing now with these young guys get them out there that's the best way to learn make a little tweaks here and there and it'll probably it'll go a long way so like i mentioned four to one angels lose that first game against houston on friday again one one bad pitch really from Sandoval that gives up the grand slam that was the four runs. That was it. You know, obviously he kind of put himself in a situation to have the bases loaded, but um, nothing else was really hit hard, you know. So uh, unfortunate for Sandoval, unfortunate for Angels fans. Uh, we go now to Saturday where, again, the Astros are in town and the Angels put out Jaime Berea out there. And again, these younger guys, these younger pitchers, you're putting them out there to get better, to work through things. Obviously, it's never going to go 100% all the time. Just They're never going to be lights out every single time. You want them to struggle now. You want them to work through that struggle. You want them to rebound from that struggle. And honestly, we'll see what happens with Jaime now. He really did struggle in this game going three innings, seven hits, three runs, one walk, and one strikeout. Obviously, seven hits you don't like, but limiting to that to three runs is something that you can kind of build on. Um, his pitch count, because of those walks and because of um, those hits, got up there a little bit. And as I kind of look back and try to remember, yeah, 52 pitches, but quick, quickly. So, um, you know, and they're, they were still kind of in the game at that point. Uh, junior guard comes in for an inning, gives up four runs, and that's kind of when it got all blown open. Uh, you can tell Madden went with the quick hook just to hopefully 
you know, limit the damage for what happened, but it, it didn't happen at all. So um, when Jaime left the game, it was four to two Houston, and you're thinking to yourself, okay, I got I got a two run deficit. Oh no, sorry, when he left, I I misread that. When he left, it was three to two uh, Houston. So you, Angels are only down one at that point, and you're trying to keep the game close. Didn't happen. Unfortunately, Pereira gets hung with the loss. Angels get two early, and it, like I mentioned before, this is something that seems to be troubling the Angels a lot recently. It's just the fact that they have good innings early, whether the first, second, or third inning, and then they don't seem to be able to capitalize on that the rest of the game. And the Angels have done it plenty of times where they come back on teams in, you know, in the seventh, eighth, ninth inning, and you know teams have done the same to them, and it's just kind of frustrating when you get up early and you're not able to either keep the lead or uh, extend it and that's exactly what happened here Watani hits his 39th home run of the year um in the first inning to give the angels uh 1-0 lead and honestly and that was pretty a fun moment because uh it was mark gubaza's birthday gooby's birthday that day and he said all he wanted for his birthday was an Otani home run got it um, still in the same inning in the first inning, Jerry Walsh singles a line drive that scores David Fletcher. Again, they're up 2-0 at the end of the first. You would love for them to add on to that point, but they just didn't. Angels end up losing 8-2 against the Astros. Astros, again, another really good team. We talked about it a little bit before. Dodgers, Toronto, Houston, now that one game with New York. Um, it was going to be a, a tough stretch of games with these teams coming in that are either like in first place in their division or or you know just competing for some kind of a playoff berth wild card these are all like playoff caliber teams and it's a good measuring stick for the angels and some of these younger guys too pitching wise to kind of you know it's great to beat up on the the minnesota twins or uh, the texas rangers or the lesser of the league you know it's really interesting to see how they would bounce back against some of these better teams and on sunday Talking about bounce back, Reed Detmers on the mound again. This kid <laughs> has had one hell of a stretch starting out his Major League debut. Uh, you got the A's, first place. The Dodgers, second place, but still, I believe, a World Series contender. And then this time, uh, wild card team that's looking to try to get the division to Houston Astros. So three starts, three playoff teams. Um you know, really hard stretch for this kid, but he definitely on this day showed up and showed what he is capable of going six innings, only gave up three hits, one run, two walks, six strikeouts, had a lot of things working for him in this game, had a lot of things going for him in this game, 87 pitches, but in six innings, again, he's a young guy, you don't really want to, even though, even though Madden said that he is stretched out and ready to go a little deeper, and he has gone deeper in different games, but this one, uh, only 80-something pitches, but gets into the sixth inning. So very, very, um, very quick innings. He he was deliberate with his pitches. Uh, again, six strikeouts. He showed why that curveball is a thing of beauty a number of times in this game. But very, very good game for Reed Demers. Bouncing back after the couple struggles he's had in his last two starts. But like I mentioned, that's against the A's and that's against um, the Dodgers. Two very, very good teams. So... To do this against a Houston team who, again, is looking for a division title this year. They're just not sitting back and letting whatever happen happens. They are trying to win every single game. And this kid put on a show. You had Detmers Warren go back-to-back. Uh, Warren goes in for an inning, gives up only one hit, one walk, one strikeout. 
Quintana goes in for two-thirds of an inning, uh, gives up two hits, gets the quick yank. Iglesias gets out of that jam in the eighth inning, goes into the ninth, gets a save there. His 26th save of the season, it is adding up, and every single time he adds another save, it almost feels like add another couple figures to that uh, contract that he's going to be asking for at the end of this year being a free agent. So great game by the Angels. Um, again, a pitching duel, 3-1. to one. I mean, I don't know how many times I would have said it, said that exact word, Angels win in a pitching duel coming into this year, but it seems like there's been a lot of them. Some of them the Angels have had enough to, to win and some that they haven't, but they've been in it because of their pitching. Um, multi-hits by Otani, Goslin and Walsh and like I'm or uh, Marsh sorry that's kind of the thing I mentioned too with Marsh he's coming around it seems like he's coming around uh, he got his batting average above 200 now and again that's above 200 is not necessarily something to be jumping for joy but with you know it being lower and now he's seemed to be making a adjustment is definitely something to look out for and be encouraged about. But like I mentioned, uh, Reed Detmers absolutely did a great, great job in this game. Bounce back, and now with the week coming up of kind of lesser teams, now maybe you get him to pitch um, in Cleveland where their offense has really struggled. Or Baltimore after that. I mean, I don't know how they're going to set it up. But, you know, I, I I think this is a good thing. This, is, this can help him uh, facing a good team getting confidence facing another team that's maybe not as good having a good outing there even building it up more so this next week's gonna be really really interesting for for the angels and their pitchers but these young guys have been pitching really well like i mentioned you're not gonna look for these guys to pitch lights out every single time that's impossible um but let's see how they rebound let's see how they you know kind of jump back on the horse and reed detmers did a great job of that in his last outing so the angels were able to take one of three from Houston again not ideal because anytime you face a good team like that in a three game series you know it's perfect if you take two of one or two of three sorry um but only able to get one this this outing uh, or this series not ideal but the Angels are still kind of hovering around that 500 mark so I mentioned it earlier rain out in New York earlier in the year I'm sure everyone remembers that series because of the Epic grand slam to tie the game off of a Aroldis Chapman that Jared Walsh have had, and then the Angels winning an extra inning. So everyone remembers that series. So this is the conclusion of that series, if you will. And um, coming straight off the IL, well-rested. And you know, I kind of had a feeling this was going to happen. But Garrett Cole on the mound for the Yankees. The Angels uh, go out there with Jose Suarez. Cole hasn't pitched, and I, and I heard this on the radio coming coming home from work Cole has not pitched before today in like 18 days so if you go like okay every five every fifth day you get a start so that's about three starts that he missed even with those three starts he missed he is still leading the league in strikeouts that's how that's how well he's pitched this year yeah he's had some blow-up games yeah he's had some games that got away from him but he's still been a really good pitcher this year uh ERA hovering around three He's just been a really good pitcher for the Yankees this season. And that kind of continued today with uh, against the Angels. Angels get up early, top of the first, with Justin Upton's home run. Now, I was watching the game later on. They were talking about it. Upton surprisingly has really good numbers off of Garrett. I mean, like four home runs and batting over 
are batting over 300 with it. And we're talking about 20 something, I think, at bat. So it's, it's not a huge sample size, but it's not like one for, you know, or five at bats or seven at bats. It's a pretty good sample size against a really good pitcher. But he gets the Angels up on the board in the first inning. But unfortunately, it did not last long as uh, Joey Gallo hits a mammoth, well, not a mammoth, but a, a rocket uh, line drive home run that even though it's Yankee Stadium, it still would have been out in a lot of parks, if not all the parks. So uh, take it. it kind of feels um, perfect that a guy who wasn't even on the Yankees roster at the time of this series uh, comes in and is really the deciding factor in this game. And not to mention a guy that you, Angels used to have trouble with when he was on the Rangers, and now it looks like they're going to have trouble with him when he's on the Yankees. So Gallo gets that, home, that two-run home run. Um, and honestly, that's all that happened this game. That's all uh, the scoring was two to one after the first, and that's exactly how it ended. Um, Swores again calmed down after that. Goes five and two thirds innings, uh, two hits, one one. Uh, oh, sorry, that is Garrett Cole. Um, Suarez goes five innings, four hits, two earned runs, which was the home run, three walks. Six strikeouts into that one home run. So, again, those three walks back to back to back to start the fifth inning. So, you're looking at the fifth inning. Suarez was doing really well up to that point. Comes in, walks three guys back to back to back, like I mentioned. So, you have no outs. C-Shek comes up um, in a very tough situation. Bases loaded. No outs. Um, and I put on Twitter, too, you know, if uh, C-Shack can get out of this, I will not say anything uh, bad about C-Shack. And I will take everything back. Bad I said about him either on social media or right here. And that's exactly what happened. C-Shack strikes out John Carl Stanton and is, uh, then forces Luke Voigt into a ground uh, inning ending double play, which was a really hard double play because it wasn't hit very hard at the shortstop, but they were able to turn it. Luckily, Voigt is not a fast runner. Um, but they were able to get out that inning, and it was uh, a huge moment in the game that you made it feel that it feels like the Angels were back in it. They had an opportunity, but like I mentioned before, unable to capitalize on anything today. Uh, hard with Garrett Cole pitching as well as he did, going five and two thirds, giving up two hits. Uh, one of those hits that home run to Upton, striking out nine. Um, but like I said, he's coming back from COVID, so you weren't sure how. His stamina was so he they they took him out fairly early, but at ninety pitches. But unfortunately, Angels lose this series or this game two to one, um, which you know kind of finishes that tough stretch of games between the Dodgers, Toronto, Houston, and then the one game against New York. And Angels went seven and five in that outing. So again, not great. You you want to do well against good teams, which the Angels have had. A really, really hard time doing this year. Going against good teams, they've really struggled. Um, but the good news is they've been really dominating bad teams. And coming up, you have Detroit, Cleveland, and Baltimore before they come back around uh, to Anaheim. So, you know, maybe they can get on a little streak, get back up to 500, and kind of keep it around there um, again, too. And, and their playoff chances are beyond slim. I still don't think they'll make the playoffs as we stand right now, as we record right now. I believe there's, there's probably still games going on, but. The Angels are 12 and a half back of the division, and they are 10 games out now of that last uh, wild card spot. So it is 
getting very slim very quickly. I still do not believe that the Angels will make the playoffs, but I, I'm still I'm still confident this team finishes above above 500, which is kind it's kind of it kind of sucks too because you put that team into the uh, NL East where the leader now, I, I guess now it's kind of pulling away a little bit. The Atlanta Braves are only a handful of games above 500, but um, yeah, it's just unfortunate that they were not able to get healthy at the right time or got hurt at the wrong time. So uh, yeah, so hopefully they are able to really take advantage of Detroit, Cleveland and Baltimore coming up in the next week. So that's going to wrap it up for this part of the podcast. We're going to take a quick break, and then when we get back, we're going to jump on Instagram Live. Halo underscore Haven is our Instagram profile. So if you're new to the podcast and you do not follow us on Instagram, make sure you go there. Um, You'll see posts about when we're going to do this kind of stuff. And so if you want to get involved and ask your questions and all that stuff, that's the perfect time to do it. So, again, we're going to jump on Instagram Live after this short break. I want to talk about Spotify Greenroom. Spotify Greenroom is a live, audio-only sports talk platform, which is free to download and free to use. You can talk to other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. Perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. All you need to do is download the Spotify Greenroom app free in the iOS or Android app store. Create a profile, link it to your Twitter, and join. That's it. It's that easy. So go ahead and check out Spotify Greenroom. And we are back. Again, um, we're going to jump on Instagram Live right now. I just went live, so we're going to wait a little bit for get people into the chat room or into the live. Um, but before we get to that, I'm going to go to some questions that were asked earlier, and then as people jump in, I will get to their questions. So first question that uh, I think a lot of people have, and that is any news on Mike Trout, obviously been out for some time now um, with the calf strain. The only real news that's been going on um, since the last podcast is that he is traveling with the team in this road trip uh, along the East Coast or, yeah, pretty much East Coast. Yeah, like I mentioned, they just got done with New York. They're going to Detroit, Cleveland, and Baltimore. So take that with kind of with a grain of salt. I don't necessarily know if that means he's going to be running soon or if he's going to be working out with the team soon or he's just going back east to hang out with family. Like I don't know what exactly that means, him going on this trip. But last time he was on a trip, he did go to Minnesota. That's when he was like kind of running around and stuff like that. So um, we'll see what happens. But um, – that's kind of the latest on Mike Trout. I really, they have been really tight lipped about this. And, and honestly too, so is Mike, you know, I think it'd be really great to have him come out in a press conference or pregame, postgame, something. I mean, he's there with the team to come out and talk about a situation, talk about what he's feeling, talk about his worries about coming back or not coming back. But it just seems like, um, Mike could do a lot of good stuff for himself. Uh, maybe he doesn't feel like he needs to do anything for himself as far as the fan relationship. Um, but I feel like he would definitely help that if he came out and did like a, a, a interview with the press, like every other team, like every other or every other player does or anything like that. So um, unfortunately, he hasn't come out and said anything about how he feels, what his worries are, or anything like that. So now it just kind of leads to speculation of why he isn't or is out there or why he is traveling or not traveling with the team. And honestly, it kind of puts Madden in a, in a bad situation, too, because he he's the guy that has to answer all these questions now. Um, 
where's Trout? How's Trout feeling? And this and that. Like, it would be so much easier if if he did it himself. If he um, just came out and told everyone how he felt. But that's not the case. But Mike Trout hopefully isn't isn't going to be out for the rest of the season. But at this point, I I honestly don't know what what the timetable is because they have not said anything. They have not been kind of um, fully transparent with all with everything like that. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, I, w- I, w- I would love to see Trout out there at some point. Just don't know uh, when that would be. Here's an interesting question too. With Rendon out and Trout's return pushed back, will the team shut down Otani's pitching? I don't think they would shut it down completely to where he doesn't pitch at all. Because I don't think that's fair to Otani as far as he is in line for this MVP. And a big part of why he's like the front runner for MVP is because he's doing both. Because he's doing so well hitting and he's doing so well pitching. You take that away from him, you know, obviously there's a big negotiations coming up and you want to kind of stay in favor with him and you told him you're going to be able to he's going to be able to do you know the two-way thing you know i i don't think they shut him down completely maybe they push back a start here and there because it seems like his starts are play by ear play by how they feel how he feels so if they push him back a couple extra days i can definitely see that um but as far as a complete shutdown, I don't think they'll do that. I don't think, unless something happens and he tweaks something or they don't feel comfortable with something uh, health-wise. But, yeah, I think you at least owe it to Otani to at least keep on putting him out there. And, again, if you push him back a couple of days, you know, if if it goes to like once a week kind of deal, then, okay, that's fine. But as far as a complete shutdown, I, I think that is unfair for Otani because he is in line for this uh, AL MVP this season, and a big part of that is because of um, of his pitching and, and of his hitting. So um, we'll see what happens, but I, I honestly think they don't shut him down fully from pitching, but I can definitely see a um, limit load. Uh, Otani, best fantasy player, yes or no? Well, I guess it depends if you can use him for both. If you can use him for both, then yeah, of course he is because he's doing, you know, everything he's doing playing both sides um if you can only use him for one then i guess he kind of falls in line with all the other players if you know pitching wise he's a good pitcher is he the best pitcher fantasy wise probably not if he is he the best hitter fantasy wise he's probably up there i don't know if he's the best but um if you could do both if you use it for both then heck yeah because he's gonna give you those numbers uh talking about shohei um should we worry about signing Otani long term? We are committed to seventy plus million to Rendon and Trout, and I kind of mentioned this a little bit last podcast. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do. Not so much, not so much with signing Otani because you figured they will definitely sign him. They're going to give him extension. They're going to try to keep him in Anaheim as best they can. But with that being said, I don't. I don't know what they'll be able to do with all the other positions they need to fill. But you have 70 plus million with Rendon and Trout. It's probably closer to like 75 million. And if we lowball it and let's say Otani only gets like 35, and especially during his arbitration year, I don't think people realize he has the rest of this year, next year, and then after that, so that's 2023, it's his last year of arbitration. And I don't know what that figure is going to be. Usually you can kind of judge it about what he's doing compared to other guys and what they've gone around that same time. 
he is such a one-off. He's such a guy that's setting the bar for himself in so many different ways. I don't know what that arbitration figure is going to look like. So if you're the Angels, is that the time you give him an extension? So that means you only have him under this cost control for one more season, and then do you back up the bank and not even go to not even go to um, arbitration? Because too, I've heard reports that he is kind of a, and you kind of see it. He's kind of a little sensitive guy. That's an emotional guy. Does he like? Does he is he thrilled with the idea of going to arbitration? Where for the most part, the team has to tell you what you're not good at. I don't know if there's anything they'll say, but that's the team's job to tell the the arbiter what the other guy doesn't do well so they can get him at their price and and the player tells him what he does well so they get him at that price but so i think the angels do buy out that last year of arbitration to avoid that now that's going to make the budget look more like again let's just say low end 35 million you're talking about 110 million dollars on three position players yes the angels have done it before but how did that turn out honestly um so you're you're banking a lot on your young pitchers. You can't give those up in trades. Like I know a lot of people are going to want to trade these young guys this offseason because they're hot and maybe you get some help for now. But going down the road, is that going to be the best thing? Or do you maybe do go in all in for the next two years, try to win it now. But if you don't, then you have all this uh, all this money that's are on the books. And you have to kind of nickel and dime it everywhere on the, else in the 40-man roster. So I don't, and for that reason, I don't think they sign a big time uh, starting pitcher. At least nothing that's past three years. Anything past three years is, is playing a really dangerous game when it comes to the to their uh, payroll and budget. And people love to mention, like, will the Dodgers do it? Will the Dodgers do it? I don't care what the Dodgers do. People love to say that the Dodger fans are always talking about the Angels, but then whenever. There's a situation that comes up, and the Dodgers have done it. The Angels fans jump on that real quick uh, to point that out, and it's just like, who cares? Like they have their own management. Angels have their own management. Dodgers are nationally a way bigger team. They have way more income than the than the Angels. It's just the way it is. It's the way the the ball game is. Um, what do you think the uh, Angels should do this offseason to improve? I, I honestly think. You have to get arms in the bullpen. We've seen that so many times now. Maybe you do sign a veteran starting pitcher, but I don't think you go after one of the big ones. I don't think you go after one of the top-end guys because you're just so worried about that budget and them being older. Can you imagine if you sign one of these like Scherzer, Verlander, Granky type to like a four-year deal, get one good year out of them, and then the rest of it, you're, you're, you're hamstrung with that contract, Otani's contract, Trout's contract, and Rendon's contract, and the pitcher's not even performing well. So... That, that scares me a lot, but I do think they have to go after bullpen guys, obviously. They have to build pitching depth in the bullpen, not only guys that can throw at the major league level with the major league team, but guys that, and hopefully with some of these trades, they'll have it, guys that can kind of cycle through as the season goes on because you can see it now. It's great if you have a, a starting five or starting six that are lights out, but because of injury, you need depth. Because of injuries, you need more bullpen arms than you know the regular five or six that are in there at a time. So depth is always going to be a, a key factor for the Angels. Do you think the Angels will keep Otani because they need more better players in, in different positions, even though Otani is an MVP and he takes up a lot of money for the Angels? Yeah, he's going to take up a lot of money. Right now he doesn't take up a lot of money, uh, but he will. And I just think if the Angels don't sign Otani, okay, I think the Angels sign Otani for two reasons. A, he's a damn good player. B, he brings in a lot of money for this franchise, not only from people here in the States, but in, in Japan, where, you know, for them to televise the Angel games, they have to 
just like any other station in the states, they have to buy the rights to it. So obviously that's a huge money um, money for that's a lot of money for Artie. That's a lot of money for MLB. Um, the jersey sales, the merchandise, like that's a huge thing for the Angels that that people don't normally take into account. So I just think it's it's not it's un not gonna say. If I had to make a bet, ninety percent of me says they will re-sign Otani, give him an extension. They're going to have to find a creative ways to kind of fill out the rest of that roster, whether it's young guys, whether it's trying to find guys that have been discarded from other teams that they feel like they can kind of rebuild. And but let's be honest, though, if Trout, Rendon, um, Otani, and some of these younger outfielder types like Joe and Marsh really kind of develop in the next couple of years and stay healthy. They're going to have enough offensively, and then you really got to hope that the pitching staff, these young guys that we talked about, Detmers, Suarez, Berea, uh, uh, Chris Rodriguez, you know, see what happens with Canning. Maybe he's an option out of, out of the bullpen next year coming back from this uh, back surgery. But you got to hope that most of those guys really do hit and develop really well. And we've seen a lot of development out of some of those guys. Already is good uh, to pay a shortstop a shit ton of money this offseason and not getting bullpen help. Yeah, I, that's obviously going to be a big thing this season. I think the Angels do need to move on from Iglesias. And now that you mentioned it, there is a question on here. I'm going to pull it up. Um, it says, with Jose Iglesias being benched, he played today on Monday, but I believe he was benched Saturday and Sunday um, against Houston. But with Jose Iglesias being benched, does this mean we are going we're going to go after a shortstop and free agency? And I believe it at this point. They will. Um you know, I don't know necessarily if it's going to be one of those big guys or if you're going to try to find like a, a stopgap or a bridge guy to some of your prospects. Again, like I, I mentioned before, some of your better shortstop prospects are higher prospects are um, in the low farm system. So like low A, high A, um, not really made that jump to, to double A where if you you would think if they were going to be a, in a serious position to compete for a starting spot next year they would be up in double a already and at least improving that way so i definitely think the angels go a different direction with jose um jose has just been so bad offensive or defensively sorry uh i looked it up today i saw something on instagram i think it was uh angels network or halos network sorry i don't remember the name but they mentioned about his defensive run saved he is dead last when it comes to short stops and defensive run saved um, he's given he's given up negative 15 runs defensively at that position, which is the worst by any shortstop in the league, and obviously the worst on the Angels. Um, you know it's a you're, you know you're bad defensively when you're giving up more runs than Justin Upton. Justin Upton's only a negative 10 uh, defensive run saved, where like I mentioned, Iglesias is negative 15. So um, I think it is it will be. It will be. It will benefit the Angels to move on from him. Now, someone in, in here says put Mayfield uh, at shortstop, which is an option, which is a very good option. Now, I know this name isn't going to be um, not liked, but you know why not? And again, it depends on development and see if he can take a next step. He's really struggled this year, but why not put Fletcher at short and then bring up um, Renhifo at, at to second? And so you have options like that. In, in in the system. I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the best move for it. Renhifo has been really struggling this season. So you would have to definitely see some kind of a boost from him and see some kind of improvement from him. But, you know, you have kind of 
a shortstop, a guy that can play shortstop at a really high level in Fletcher and who's looked really good at um, second base this year and kind of also going off that defensive run save stat, Fletcher's leading the team in defensive run stats. So um, you can also put him at shortstop, which I honestly, I thought they were going to do last year before they got Iglesias. I, I thought they would put Fletcher at shortstop and fill that gap with Renjifo or um, at the time, uh, the the... The prospect they got last year in the A's, uh, Barreto, who ended up getting a um, Tommy John surgery, so he probably won't be in the in the mix too much next year. But there is options. You could go again, free agent class for a shortstop. There will be a. I do believe there will be a new shortstop there opening day, and just might be Fletcher, it might be someone else. But I think it definitely is time for them to move on from Jose Iglesias, even though offensively he's done bad, uh, done great. But defensively, he was—he's been so bad. I just—I don't know where else you put him. Um, Erstad had better deed, no flash, and I think that's a big part of it. People get caught up in those flashy plays that Iglesias has, and he does. There's some plays where you—he makes you're just wow, that's a really good play. But there's some basic plays that he does not convert on, or um, you know, certain stuff like that where you just kind of you would trade in the flash and dash for just the basic plays. Um, should they do any re- renovation to Angel Stadium? I kind of hope with the whole parking lot being sold to Artie, I am in the I am in the group that thinks they should just build a whole new stadium. There's so much options they can do now. Again, for the most part, that's their original stadium. Like, yeah, they made renovations from when the Rams were came in and they closed it, and then they made renovations when the Rams left and they opened it back up, and that's kind of what you have now. Um, but I would not be opposed to them redoing the whole thing. Um, I don't think the mic is working. Thank you for someone telling me. Let me do that. Um, yeah, I, I honestly think that I would love to see a renovation by the from the team, bar none. I, I just I, the Angel Stadium is old. Angel Stadium needs to kind of get a re- revamped, and I just don't think that you know you go to some stands like Safeco. Um, uh, you go to places like Safeco and you go to places like um, uh, uh, Petco and it's, they're so nice. Um, but I don't know. I, I just feel like now you, you, now's the time to rebuild. You got all that space. You got all that um, parking lot that you can put a brand new stadium, make it you know a really nice stadium. Get the All-Star game back to Anaheim. Like I truly don't – I truly think – they're not going to have an all-star game there until they build a new stadium. And I would love to see another all-star game at Angel Stadium. You have plenty of room. Build a brand new stadium. Make it, um, you know, really nice. Maybe incorporate the Big A somehow again, like the original Angel Stadium. If you've ever seen the original Angel Stadium and how it was, um, the Big A out there in left field, reincorporate it some, somehow. Would you like to see a logo revamp? Uh, yeah, I mean... I'm wearing the old school A right now as we record this on our Instagram live. I love that logo. I don't necessarily know if I want a revamp if if only if I could bring back some older ones. Like if they did more of like a 70s weekend like they had but did it more consistently throughout the year, um, then yeah, definitely do that. But as far as like a full logo revamp, I don't think they need that per se, but I just wish they would incorporate some of their older stuff a lot more. Um, that would be 
my preference. Would love to see the 2023 All-Star game in Iowa Cornfield. Um, don't think they'll do that. Uh, there's too much money that would be lost by the limited um, capacity there. Um, so I really, I really think that Field of Dreams um, game, which was cool. I just don't know if you know you're going to see a big budget game like that out there. Um, hope we get City Connect jerseys next year. Yeah, I don't know when the City can. The only thing they've mentioned about City Connect jerseys are the ones coming out this year. I don't think they've uh, said anything about going forward, like who's getting what and what year. This that every team's going to get one over the next, I think, like three or four years span. So who knows? Hopefully, it is next year. It'd be really interesting to see what the Angels come up with or. Um, I don't even know necessarily if it's Nike or the Angels that come up with these concept uniforms. I'm sure Nike probably designs them, and the team has to okay it. But I'm interested to see what would what would come out. Maybe when the Dodgers, I knew the Dodgers are getting theirs this year. Maybe you can see what they're going to do with LA Dodgers, and you kind of hope what the City Connect. At least I do. They don't incorporate something LA. They incorporate something Anaheim or Orange County even. So um, we'll see how that comes. You know, down the line. And then kind of also talking about a little bit about Trout like we did earlier. Uh, here's another question. Trout moving to a corner outfield spot upon return, either this season or next. Um, I honestly think when he does come back, it makes a lot of sense for him to go to a corner outfield spot just because of the health issues. Trout, granted he's only 30, but 30 is kind of that hill for athletes um, where you kind of – you still have – plenty of good years in you but you really do need to start if you haven't before really start taking care of yourself um now and so limiting him running back and forth um i i i think putting him in a corner outfield spot helps a lot we i mean it's been shown that um brandon has is more than capable of playing center field playing a really good center field so for that reason i think um yeah, you do put him in a corner outfield spot, limit him running around too much, you know, save his bat, save his, um, the stuff he's really good at. And again, that's getting on base, hitting home runs, hitting for power. Um, Trout was never really a full on defensive guy to begin with. Even during his, during his absolute best years, he was always kind of an average to below average defender. He's made great plays, but he's always been kind of average at there. And that's why he's never been a finalist for a golden glove or anything like that, where I think Brandon is more than capable of, of being a really good center fielder defensively. He's had a major league caliber arm and glove for the last like two years. So I, I have no problem with trout coming back again, either this year or next year in a corner outfield spot and save his legs. I think that's the biggest thing. Save his legs out of the young arms. We have, which one would you, would uh, work out best out of the pen next year? We have too many star- starters, especially if we, sign a few next year and i kind of mentioned this a little bit just because um of his situation with his back i don't know the timetable as his return is he gonna be ready for spring training or not but i would be really interesting to see um griffin canning out of the bullpen maybe he can concentrate more on his velo and a couple pitches and really lock in on that and then again try to keep him healthy longer then if he has to make a spot start then whatever um but I guess that's one guy that's kind of a starter on the line that I would I would be interested to see move to the bullpen. Um, I think Suarez or Berea could be another one of those guys. I think, honestly, it, it just depends on how everyone kind of works out. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, 
back uh, Bachman as a BP or a possible closer. Um, I think next year, I think that's a very good chance, especially if, again, the starters work out the way they've been. So you have like Chris Rodriguez, Reed Detmers, Otani, um, let's say Sandoval, let's say a free agent. Um, so that's five guys right there. And then you can have a Suarez or Berea be that sixth guy. Uh, but yeah, Bachman can be a very good possible bullpen piece and possible maybe closer down the line i do think that they'll try to resign iglesias for maybe a two or three year deal um but i, I you know i i'm i i don't want to rush that guy up because he just started but i think at some point next year you'll see bachman in the angels uniform i just if if the pitchers works out the way it's going it's been going i think it's gonna be in the bullpen but like i mentioned before you need like nine nine or ten starters legit starters because guys do get hurt I, you know, it's great if you can run out the same six the whole year. That's that. That means your team's gonna be good. That means your team's healthy. You look at any staff. I don't care if it's the Angels, which I think a lot of people are kind of like um, fixated on, which I understand. But you need depth there. You need like eight, nine, ten pitchers, starting pitchers, to really get through a season because of injuries or just having day days off or need need days off, dead arm or stuff like that. So. Yeah, it'd be nice to move some of those guys to the bullpen, but I have a feeling you're going to have to end up using some of those guys down the line. Um, what do you think is going to cost to get Otani an extension? Honestly, oh, a lot. <laughs> Five years. Um, God, I hope it's not $40 million per, but if it's around like 38 39 per for five years. I think that's kind of where it's going to be around. I mean, you look at Ota- uh, at Trout and Rendon, they're making like 37 and 38 respectively. Otani's just as important, just as good as those guys, if not better because of what he does both ways. So it's not out of the realm of possibility for him to get like 40, 41, 42. Uh, I think it's going to be at least like a five-year deal, maybe even longer, six-year deal. Uh, but it's definitely going to cost um, a pretty penny. Um, if you're going to, uh, going for away players, uh, oh yeah. Uh, talking about getting jerseys signed or getting stuff signed. It would be nice. Um, Otani might want max. There is no max deal for, for baseball. There is no MLB or not MLB. Uh, NBA has a max deal where you can, you can only top out at so much. MLB doesn't have that. The max deal is whatever someone's willing to pay for it. So with that being said, like I said, 39 would be nice, but man, if he gets like 41, 42, 43 per, uh, that, that would be very, very interesting. So, um, will Rossell Iglesias get re-signed by the Angels? I think he will. I think what's the smart thing with Rossell is you need to re-sign him for two reasons. A, he's a really good closer. Two, you didn't, you didn't trade him. You know, you didn't trade him. You could have got, you know, probably something pretty good for him in the, in the, trade deadline but you didn't trade him because you wanted to resign him which okay that makes sense but now you have to now i feel like they almost have to the to, to uh show that what they did the trade deadline worked um you know hopefully it's not more than three years pitchers are closers arms are very volatile are very up and down are very uh touch and go so you hopefully this season isn't like the last of that um but you don't want to give him a long one either so if it's like a three-year deal, two, if you can go like a little bit more per year and give him a two-year deal, that's what I would prefer. But I kind of think it's going to be around three years. Um, I don't understand the Rendon slander that that guy is a stud but hasn't had a proper healthy full season. What do you think? Yeah, obviously it's come out that he's going to be out for the year, hip surgery. Um, 
and that can jack up everything. Your lower half is so important when you're hitting. You're you're so dependent on that. And if it's something like he mentioned that came out of spring training or right after spring training, it makes sense why he hurt his groin or his hip or his uh, hamstring because now you're overcompensating for things. Um, the lower half is really important from hitting, and I know a ton of people know that. He does need to get a full full season, I think, to really see his worth. Um, Stassi had hip surgery. I, now, I'm not a doctor. I don't know if it's the same type of hip surgery. I don't know if it's different hip surgery. I don't know any of that stuff. But from what I know, Stassi had hip surgery, came back, and looks great this year. So hopefully, hopefully, you know, that's exactly what happened. He gets it done early enough. They said he should be ready for spring tra- or for opening day, which in my head means he'll have some spring training at bat. So hopefully that is a uh, good thing. But like I mentioned, you know, I'm not a doctor, but Stassi had hip surgery in the, in the off season, came back, and he has done really well this year. And hopefully for Rendon, same thing. Now you want him to um, show it, and I think he's on a thin line as far as being able to show it because COVID season, okay, 60-game season, no one can get – I mean, there's there's probably tons of guys that can't really get going in 60 games or fully going in 60 games. And if you do, it's like the last 10 and then season's over. Um this season injury, but it's it, time is running out on him. I will say that time is running out. I I'm, I am willing to give him the benefit of the doubt and give him one more healthy year to see what he can do. Um, we do need a max though, plus a strict salary cap. This is getting out of hand. Dodgers have a near three million dollar payroll. Um, you know it. It's interesting. The players will never agree to it. Um, that's something that has to be uh, mutually agreed upon. Players won't do it because they don't want to be capped. You know, it's kind of that boat's already sailed. I do not think that um, the guaranteed or the max deal is coming to baseball anytime soon. Uh, Russell will sign a three-year deal with a fourth option. Uh, 10 to $12 million. Yeah, I mean, that would be nice. Like I said, I, I three-year deal or less, I, I mean, that's what you got to hope for and hope that his arm doesn't blow up after the first season. Uh, thoughts on the Angels draft this year? I mentioned before, I don't know how many times, pitching depth. Always need it. Always need to have it if you want to compete. If some of those guys turn out well, then great. If not, that's kind of the way the draft works. In any draft, and this is back when they had like 40 rounds, if you can get four or five guys in a 40-round draft to be big league contributors, whether that's kind of middle bullpen guys, middle uh, rotation guys, guys off the bench thing, that's a really good draft. Like you, it's impossible to go, you know, in this situation, 20 for 20. Like I, I don't know any draft that's hit on half or more than half of their draft picks. It's just, it's, it's really hard to see that far ahead. So with the 20 pitchers they signed, and again, if they can hit like on three or four of those guys, and I mean, when I mean hit, I mean, Major league caliber stuff, whether it's in the bullpen, whether it's rotation, whether it's a closer, whether it's a middle reliever, but in the major leagues, they've done a really good draft. It's just, it's really hard to kind of judge drafts, um, you know, after they happen. There's so many things that need to happen right for some of these guys to get um, their breaks. Are we going to be able to afford Otani, Trout, Rendon in the future? You're going to be able to afford those three for sure, Otani, Trout, and Rendon. Anything more than that? It's going to be interesting to see for sure. Um, do you see the Angels signing Max Scherzer this offseason? No. Again, too much money unless he's willing to take like a two-year deal. I, the, too much money, especially like we mentioned before. With Otani coming up, I'd rather have Otani, you know, guaranteed Otani than Scherzer. That's just what I think. Um, I don't think Artie will go over the luxury tax again. I think um, 
I, you know, I think Artie, he said he's willing to go over the tax, but it has to be a very special situation, meaning it's a trade deadline. So I don't know if people understand the tax takes effect after the trade deadline. So when you see guys get dumped uh, at the trade deadline, is to get underneath that luxury tax because that's when it comes into effect at the trade deadline. So you can be technically under the tax the whole time. And then at the trade deadline, if you go over it, then that's when you start getting taxed. So you're technically a team that's uh, a uh, – because as you – the more years consistently you're above the tax, the more you get taxed. So um, it's going to be a situation where the Angels have to be a, like in the, the lead for the division and like a one piece away. It's not going to be the situation where you're three pieces away and you're five games out of the wild card spot. Like I think the only way Artie goes over the tax is if the Angels are in first place or close to first place and it's – really obvious that they're like one or two pieces away. Not like this year where you're five out of the wild card and five or six pieces out. So um, is it likely for him to go over the tax? No, but you know, I think in the right situation, he would. Should the MLB have a universal DH or keep the pitchers hitting in the NL? I love the universal DH. I want it um, next year, but that's going to be one of the negotiation tactics um, for this year's CBA. Uh, so it's going to be one of those things that's going to be a real big um uh, bargaining chip and I, I really hope they do bring in the universal dh next year who's winning the world series this year chicago looks really good chicago looks really good and then um if i had a root for a california team i hope for the uh, giants i think it'd be cool to see the giants I always enjoy watching them play uh, do you see any of these bullpen arms now in their next year uh and then he lists a bunch of them warren i definitely see him uh Selman, I do see him just because of the fact that I think he's under control for the team as far as non um I and I, I'm not sure off the top of my head, but I know he has some years control. But Selman, I believe, is a pre arbitration pitcher, so you can you can keep him around fairly cheap. As far as Junior Gara, um C Shack Myers, those guys, I don't I don't know. I don't think so because some of those guys are just outright last year of the contract or um, are an arbitration, and you saw last year, last last off season, they got rid of almost every single pitcher that was in arbitration or just fat out free agents. So, uh, Warren, I think yeah, Selman, I think yeah, because those are guys that are very very cheap because they have not hit arbitration yet. And and in Warren's Warren's um, case, I, I think he deserved it. I mean, you've seen what he's done. He's done really really well. He's had one kind of a hiccup game a little bit, but he's done really well in his outing. So I think Warren and uh, Selman for sure. One, it's incredible that Trout has been out six to eight weeks and has had and has been thirteen. Uh, it's incredible that Trout would be out uh, for six to eight weeks and has been thirteen, and they don't say if he'll miss. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Angels have traditionally been very tight-lipped about a lot of stuff, so it's not surprising. I think it's kind of unfair to put that on Joe because I'm thinking that's not his call. But yet he gets asked it every single day. Um, that's probably something that has to come from Perry and the training staff. But again, they're not giving out a bunch of information. So we're stuck with just whatever they give out. That's what the, they have to report. And even though we might see it, see through it and call it BS, um, but it's still whatever they whatever they want to put out there. So we'll see what happens going forward. Um, see any, any other young arms we draft to possibly play next year or will they need a few years to develop and triple a like detmers did um again they had a lot of college pitchers that they drafted 
this year, uh, I believe 19 out of the 20 were college draftees. Um, 19 of them signed. The one guy that didn't sign was a high, was a college guy. So, um, still the majority of the guys, uh, they drafted today were call or this year were college guys. So that technically kind of puts them ahead of the curve. You've seen some of these guys now start making their debuts, whether it be in, in high A or double A. Um, I talked about a little bit earlier with Sam Bachman. I think he will be there next year as a reliever, as a starting pitcher. I don't know. But, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me to see some of these guys who got drafted this year make some kind of an appearance next year, whether it be like a quick up and down or what, because they have pitched in college and they are kind of ahead of the curve as far as um, high school pitchers who usually do take four or five years to develop. Uh, Marsh and Adele seem to be having fun with both of them in the majors at the same time. Yeah, Um there is a great like interview. I probably reposted because it, it was really good. Um, they did at the at the Arizona Fall League a few years back with these two, and it, it was this them talking and stuff like that. It was really cool. But you can genu- genuinely see like the friendship and the relationship they have there. Um, they seem to feed off each other. They seem to be love and play next to each other because every single time um, Joe makes a great diving catch, Brandon's like right there to congratulate him, and they kind of psych each other up. So yeah. Brandon and Joe in the outfield is going to be a lot of fun, and that's why I think you need to hold on to these two. Um, how do you feel about Upton for next year? Uh, he got one year left, but I don't know, Marsha Dell. What do you think? I think, honestly, Upton will have an opportunity. I think it's just you kind of give him that opportunity, but if he doesn't perform or struggles, I can see him very easily going the, the pool holster route, and maybe you DFA him, and, and you yeah, you still pay for his contract, but... He's cheaper than Pujols was this year, and you saw they're willing to do it to him. So in my head, if you're willing to do a Pujols and he's owed 30-whatever, 30 $31, 32000000 million or whatever it was, why not do it for an Upton who's not getting paid nearly as much? Um, but I do think you give him an opportunity, and if it doesn't work out, um, then yeah, then you do go with the, the young guys and sign like a fourth outfielder type, you know, Ligaris or something like that, that you can sign cheaply and to just, like I said, be a fourth outfielder. Um, let's see. Favorite section, Angel Sam to watch a game. I enjoy it by the bullpen because you can like look out onto the field, see everything. Um, I was also, I've, I mean, I've kind of sit all over the place in that stadium here or there. Um, you know, anywhere in the 200s isn't bad. Underneath the awning, especially on a Sunday, is great. Um, I, I will say. I don't think he's on. A uh, buddy of mine has season tickets. Every once in a while, I'll get a text from him saying he he isn't going to the game if I want his tickets. And I'll be like, yep. And I jump on those. And they're up in the 300 section, fairly close to home plate. Um, the only place I've ever gone to foul ball is in those seats. So uh, those tickets are uh, really, really nice. So anytime he offers, I, if I can make it, I go to the game. So um, sit all over the park. You know, if it's just to watch a game. I, I love watching around the bullpen. You can see when guys get up, you can also kind of talk to them a little bit as they come in. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoy there, but you know, hopefully if they do get a new stadium, they can continue with that bullpen. That's pretty close to the fans. You can interact, but also do kind of what, uh, I believe Seattle, not Seattle, uh, Petco has done where they tilt or they angle each seat towards home plate. So you're not, force as much to turn the neck that's the only thing that really sucks about the 200s is like when you have to turn your neck to look at the play um so hopefully with if they do get a new stadium that's what they'll do um 
I'd rather have Eaton as a fourth outfielder instead of Upton, but like you said, we'll give him the shot. Yeah, I mean that Eaton over or Upton over Eaton for the rest of this season, you can you can definitely see it as a as a money money issue because Eaton got picked up on the league minimum, so releasing him, okay, you're spending the the season so far over now maybe like three hundred thousand dollars which isn't a big deal to teams for that one shot but um yeah up gonna be really interesting next year that's gonna be a a really uh it's gonna be like albert this year where you're gonna look at him and see what is he doing every game is he hot is he not it's gonna definitely come down to upton next year and probably for a part of uh the end of this year for sure is it inconceivable as incredible as one of the best offenses? Now it's one of the worst, and the pitching from worst uh, to the best in recent months. Uh, it is a sadness that they do not match. Yeah, um, yeah. You just kind of think about it. Coming into the year, the offense was going to be the reason why they compete. The, the offense was going to be the reason why they're going to be in the wild card position. The reason why that they're going to cause so much trouble with all these teams because they're going to be able to hit the ball out of the park left and right. I guess the bright side of this is you have confidence that the offense will come back once Trout, Rendon, um, get healthy, uh, Joe and Brandon take the next step next year. You know, Walsh stays um, doing his things at first base and, and showing that he's capable of being a major league player. I know he's slumping right now, which makes me think that back might still be a little bit of an issue. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I just play one on TV. Um, but it, it makes me kind of, uh, uh, feel encouraged for next year because those guys are coming back. None of those guys are leaving and all these young guys that have turned this pitching staff around to make it a better one, um, starting pitching wise are all coming back next year. I mean, they're all young. Obviously Bundy's probably going to go, but other than that, Otani's coming back, Ren, uh, uh, Suarez, Sandoval, Berea, Detmers, like all these guys are coming back next year, which is encouraging to me. So yeah, you hope next year you can get the first half offense with the second half uh, pitching all year next year. And if that does happen, then yeah, the Angels could compete for a wild card spot, especially with you would think Correa is going somewhere. I don't know if Houston's going to be able to resign him. Verlander might be going somewhere else. Um, A's, I don't, I don't know about the A's, man. The A's always seem to be able to find guys and be competitive. So I, I, I'm not going to count them out, but Houston's definitely missing, are going to be missing some big guys next year or going to have to overpay for them and maybe lose some other secondary guys because of it. So if you can get that first half offense with the second half pitching into next year, this team will be dangerous. And so, um, that is something I am really looking forward to next year. That is something um, that it kind of gets me excited. And this will be the last question I, I answered because this one was really interesting um, that I come that came across today. Is it is Sandoval or Detmers better in three years? Which is a really tough question because you look at what Detmers did on Sunday and he he's shown what he's capable of. You've seen what Sandoval's done this season. Um, He's been really good, and he's taken that next step. So in three years, Sandoval will be 29. In three years, Detmers will be 27. Theoretically, those are those are the ages where pitchers either tend to start getting into their prime or in in their prime. Um, God, so that's going to be a hard question. I, I think Detmers does have the 
better upside than than Sandoval, but Sandoval has a head start. Like he's been pitching in the majors now for like two years, two probably almost close to three years now. So in three years, I still think Sandoval is a better pitcher because I still think Demers is developing a little bit. But if you're going to ask me who's going to be better at the age of 27, it's probably going to be Detmers. I think Detmers has better stuff, is, is is more of a polished kid coming out of college. But Sandoval has seen a lot now, and he's kind of has a head start on Detmers. So with that, I, I oh, that's such a tough question. But in three years, I'm going to say Sandoval still because he's going to be 29. He's going to be in his prime. I think at 27, Detmers is going to be – in the first year of his prime or just entering his prime. So that's something to be really interested in. And honestly, for the Angels, I know in three years it's going to be like arbitration years for, for Sandoval. Hopefully these both these guys are, are still on the, on the uh, rotation and they're able to take this team to the next level because Detmer showed great stuff on Sunday and Sandoval has shown that he belongs in the rotation this year. He's given a chance when Otani's um, transportation issues happen in Oakland and he is taking that opportunity and made the most out of it. So, you know, hopefully both these guys are in the rotation for a really long time with the Angels because it's fun to see these guys who are grown in the system. Even though Sandoval wasn't drafted by the Angels, he was traded for very young in his development, and you see what he does now. And two, he's a local guy. He's from Mission Viejo. So if you know the area of Orange County, you know exactly where that is, you know, in correlation to Angel Stadium in Anaheim. So he's a local guy, so that's really cool. How is it possible that Otani is in the leader in home runs and they have him bat first when Fletcher is the second and the third in the league? He should be uh, first. So Otani, it's just Madden doing his, hey, so and so is in a slump. I'm going to bat him in the leadoff spot. So, um, and Otani has been in a slump before they moved him to the leadoff spot coming out of the All Star break. So I think that's all that is. And you saw with Upton, he, he did pretty well with it when he got moved to the leadoff spot. Fletcher spent some time in the leadoff spot to get right. Uh, now Otani's in the leadoff spot to try to get right. And I think once he does, then, yeah, you'll see him bounce down to the second or third or whatever. But uh, it's just Matt, what Madden does when he feels like one of his heavy hitters or one of his best hitters is struggling. He'll put him in the first. He's done that um, all the way since you know he was in Tampa Bay. So that's a Madden thing. That's something that he's done over the years. That's something that, honestly, too, has been really – uh, done really well with. So uh, we'll see what happens throughout the year or throughout the rest of this year when Otani maybe starts getting back into the flow of things. So I'm going to wrap up this edition of the All Angels podcast. Again, we are on Instagram Live. People that are just jumping on Instagram Live right now, let me tell you to go and download the All Angels podcast to listen to the whole um, spiel I had here on live. Um, I am not going to save it or anything like that. So definitely check out the podcast. It should be out later tonight, if not tomorrow morning, for sure, to um, get this whole Instagram live. We talked about a lot of stuff from uh, Angel Stadium to the pitchers to uh, Trout to, um, you know, a bunch of stuff. So um, Iglesias getting signed next year, Jose and uh, Rossell. So um, definitely check it out. But I am Dallin Garcia, and this has been another edition of the All Angels Podcast. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.